situations which, in which we do pray, when we're afraid or in trouble. Prayer as a spiritual discipline, which means praying even when we don't feel like it. And last week, Dawn led us into some ideas about intercessory prayer, when we step in and pray for others. So today, I'm going to look at how we pray through times of pain and grief. And those of you who know me will know that I've been on a bit of a journey with that myself over the last few years. But before I start, I want to acknowledge that this topic may bring up difficult emotions or memories for many of us. So if anything that I offer doesn't feel appropriate for you or you feel at all uncomfortable, please take care of yourself and just disregard that bit that you didn't like. And the lovely Jill, who's going to wave, she's a member of the Well Prayer Ministry team and is in my home group. And she's here with us today. So if anybody would like to receive some individual prayer and a quiet space at any time during the morning, I think you're going to be sitting just over there near the cross, which feels kind of appropriate, doesn't it? And when we go back into our groups, there'll be a very simple creative prayer activity. It needs to be simple because I love creativity, but it panics me enormously. <laughs> so this is for you to do together in your small group. And there are instructions and guidance on the tables, but I'll remind you later. But please just support one another, ladies. So let me just pray before I start. Loving Father God, risen Jesus, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. I pray that you would take my words, however nervous I feel, and speak through me, touching the deep place within all of us which your Spirit calls home. Amen. So, pain and grief. I bet you're really glad you came this morning. <laughs> but the first thing to say is that the pain and grief of loss are awful. Grief really hurts. Whether we're Christians or not, experiencing either or both tests us. And sometimes it even breaks us for a while. Grief is the price we pay for love. It is a price. We pay it for love, just as Jesus did when he died on the cross for each one of us. But grief and pain are normal. The only thing that can make it worse is maybe when we hide or numb or mask grief. We pretend that we're okay, that we're fine. But the slow journey through grief enables us to heal, to heal the deep emotional wounds that are created by each loss, however large or small. And there are many, many different losses that we might grieve. The loss of a precious loved one, the limitations and losses of long-term illness, children leaving home, not having children, 
the loss of a marriage or a significant relationship, the loss of a job, unrealized or lost dreams, the loss of independence or control through aging or ill health, and even the loss of normalcy that we all experience to some degree through the COVID pandemic. And there are many, many ways to grieve, as unique to us as we are unique to God. There's no right way to grieve, and there's no set time scale for our grief. It is deeply personal. So that was me nearly three years ago when my lovely mum passed away. And last year, just 18 months after mum, I lost my dear dad, as well as, in between those two, several other precious family members, about six more. And this song that I'm going to play, or rather that Paul is going to play, by Ed Sheeran, I played at my mum's funeral, or Thanksgiving. It was a celebration of her life and her faith and her knowledge of where she was going and the party that she was going to have in heaven. So, yeah. So, Paul, if you could just play Supermarket Flowers, it really expresses some of that, where I was at, really, better than I could put into words. Through the day of tea from the cup Packed up the photo album Matthew had made Memories of a life that's been luck Took the Garrett Wilson cars and stuffed animals Pulled the old ginger beer down the sink Dad always told me, don't you cry when you're down But mum, there's a tear every time that I blink Oh, I'm in pieces, it's tearing me up But I know a heart that's broke is a heart that's been loved So I'll sing hallelujah You were an angel in the shape of my mum fell down you'd be there holding me up spread your wings as you go and when god takes you back you'll say hallelujah you're home i fluffed the pillows made the bed stacked the chairs up Folded your nightgowns neatly in a case John said he'd drive then put his hand on my cheek And wiped a tear from the side of my face And I hope that I see the world as you did Cause I know a life with love is a life that's been lived So I'll sing hallelujah shape of my mom when i fell down you'd be there holding me up spread your wings as you go and when god takes you back you'll say hallelujah you're home 
to see the person I have become Spread your wings and I know the one God took you by He said hallelujah your home Ooh. He did. He said hallelujah your home. And I was one of the lucky ones because my mum knew that she was going home just as my dad did. But it didn't make it any harder, easier. It made it hard to let her go. It didn't make it that much easier to let her go, even to God. But it gave me great, great comfort. So what can we do? What does the Bible say to us about grief and pain? What do do we do when we feel absolutely in pieces? So, let's look at the Psalms for a model of how to speak to God in our grief, how to pray. How do we passionately express our grief or our sorrow or our anger or whatever we might feel, that maelstrom of emotions? In other words, how do we lament? So Psalm 42, Paul, is um, one of the Psalms of lament. And it may be familiar to some of you. It's interesting because apparently nearly half, or some, some people say more than half of the, of the Psalms are actually Psalms of lament, which tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us that we're not alone in our grief or our pain in the difficult times. And it's not easy to talk about those, but here we are, we're going for it. So right at the start, the psalmist in verse one is panting like a deer for streams of water. His soul thirsts for you, for God, the living God. But he says, when can I go and meet with God? He's desperate for comfort. He's thirsty and weak. He's panting like a dehydrated deer, desperate for the reviving living water of God's love. In verse three, he describes how his tears have been his food day and night. That rings a horribly familiar bell. And people have been saying to him all day long, where is your God? Where is he? Why hasn't he taken all this away? Is expressing the isolation, the moments of desperation, maybe the abandonment. Where is God after a day of tears and intense grief? But God knows that there are no shortcuts to grieving. We are human, and to rescue us from pain immediately would deny us the human journey of time the time that we need to express and move through our feelings and sorrows. It's hard, isn't it? We don't want to sit with that grief. We want an instant fix. But we just have to trust that God knows us better and understands us because he designed us. But then look what happens in verse 8. Um, it's by, the, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of life. And in this amazing Passion Translation, I'll just read you that verse. Yet all day long God's promises of love pour over me, 
Through the night I sing his songs, for my prayer to God has become my life. My prayer has become my life. So, a minute ago, he was asking, where is God? He was feeling alone, and now suddenly in that chaos, that maelstrom of emotions and confusion that grief can be, those waves that hit us, he's suddenly realizing that maybe God is there after all. At night, his song is with me. And that prayer, maybe it's just his rest that is his prayer, becomes his life. So maybe that can tell us something about grief and how we actually express it, how we lament. So in these Psalms of lament, there's a pattern that we can see. First, we turn to God in desperation. We spend time with him. We communicate in the best way that we can. It may be in silence, it may be in screams and shouting, but in other words, that's prayer. That's real, authentic prayer. And then we complain. That's the fancy word for saying that we tell him everything that's all wrong. That's our authentic feeling of everything that's going wrong in our life, the pain and the grief, the raw pain and grief. We don't have to dress it up. We don't have to put it in saccharine words. We just tell it how it is and how we feel because God knows. God knows already. And then we petition. We ask for help. We ask for compassion. We ask for God to intervene. And we probably ask for God to take it all away, to be honest. That's what I sometimes did. But then, just like the psalmist suddenly remembers that the Lord is directing his love, and at night his song is over me, he's singing over me as I sleep or as I don't sleep, we move then to trust and praise. We're just reminded of God's promises, maybe just for a moment, and we think about the answered prayers of the past. That's the slow and sometimes very wobbly journey to renewed trust, to thankfulness, and to praise. I'm not saying this is easy, but we could, we could learn just to take time, not to rush this. There is no right way to grieve and there is no perfect time scale. Let's just look at another psalm. Psalm 142. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Please be compassionate. Before him, I tell my trouble. There's no holding back, is there? We can bring everything to him. We can just pour out our complaints, pour out that raw emotion. And even when my spirit goes, grows faint within me, he says, it's you, God. It's you that watches over my way. He's acknowledging that God is looking out for him. He's looking out for us. He is watching over us in our journey. He is walking alongside, although that can sometimes feel like we, it's hard to feel that sometimes. And especially when we feel our spirits weak, 
when we maybe feel disconnected from friends or family, and we're barely able to reach out to anyone, let alone pray. God is watching over us. God is watching over us. And in verse four, it just continues. No one's concerned for me. I've got no refuge. No one cares for my life. It's like, it's so bad. Where is God in this? Why do I feel so awful? Why do I feel that there's no safe place or refuge? Why do I feel isolated or unloved? It's a pretty bleak place to be. It's an emotional roller coaster. But look at the next verse, verse five. I cry to the Lord. I say, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. Perhaps God was listening after all, because there's a little shift, isn't there, in perspective. Perhaps God's Holy Spirit has broken through the desperation after the psalmist has spent some time in prayer, some time being still, some time talking, some time being honest and real about the depths of his feelings. And I'm showing off a bit here because I'm afraid to say that I Googled this because I wondered what this portion meant. What does that mean there, you're my portion? Well, in the Hebrew, apparently it means inheritance. So obviously an inheritance was hugely, hugely important. It's a source of security. It means that there can be hope in the future. So the writer here, the psalmist, recognizes that the Lord is his inheritance, that his security is in him. He has brought his broken self to God's feet, just as we can, and asked for help. And this is the response. He does know, in that moment at least, that God is his refuge, is his place of safety, and that he is rooted and grounded in God's love, which we promise never fails. And how about Psalm 46? We know that in the Passion Translation, this is, God, you are such a powerful and safe place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough, and always available whenever I need you. In the brain fog of grief and pain, which I can remember and occasionally feel, we can oscillate can't we, between clarity and confusion. But even here, we can see that hope breaks through, echoing Psalm 46, that God is our safe and powerful place. When we come to God with all our genuine pain, he will help us to know deep down, deep within, that he is sovereign over everything that we might face. And once we've expressed our pain and asked for help or loving compassion, we are more able to move towards trust as we remember his faithfulness to us in the past. And trust in a future with hope. God's promises are true yesterday, today and forever. 
I said we're more able. This is not magic. This is very far from magic. This is talking to God who loved us and created us, who walks alongside us, who steps from our past into our future and takes us with, with him. So lastly, Psalm 46. Oh, there we are. Be still and know that I am God. Well, this does take time. Like I said, it isn't a quick fix. We need to spend time to be still and find places where we can connect or rest in God's presence. And these places of connection, of really knowing God, are different for all of us. Just as the way we process grief is unique, so are the ways we find God. When we can authentically cry out from the depths of our hearts, we find a God who hears, who listens, and who responds. Praying with these psalms can help us express the pain we're carrying when we might not have the words ourselves. I sometimes found it really helpful just to read one line because to be honest, one line was about all I could bear on the bad days. But God loves to be in relationship with us. And it's in these times that um, we can ask for help from our Christian family and friends, from our Christian sisters and brothers when we are really struggling to pray for ourselves, we can turn to the people around us. We're not supposed to do this alone. When we're authentic with God and let him truly see us, it starts to become a bit easier to allow ourselves to be seen and known by our friends. If we can dare to be vulnerable with God, perhaps we can dare to be vulnerable with our friends he didn't reject us. Perhaps if we expressed our painful emotions and don't bury them, in, perhaps our relationships would deepen. And perhaps that would give somebody else permission to do just the same, to know it's okay. It's okay to feel grief. It's normal. So when I finally asked for help, clearing the overwhelming amount of furniture and clutter in my parents' house in Leamington after my lovely mum died. I, didn't, I don't have siblings, so it kind of landed on my shoulders, really. And they had an awful lot of stuff. They had stuff piled in boxes from floor to ceiling. We had carved a path to the bedroom and the bathroom. Deb and Jills will testify to the amount of stuff and the amount of chaos, which sort of, I suppose, reflected the chaos that my mum felt through dementia from time to time. But through actually being vulnerable, because it took me several months to ask because I felt like I should be able to do it myself. Why shouldn't I? but I realized I couldn't, it was too painful. It was too painful without somebody to share the memories with, to share the grief with, to share the laughs with. 
And when I did that, when I allowed people who I knew, who I knew I would love, but maybe I didn't know them quite so well at that point, I let them in, not just to that house, but into the, the part of me that the spirit calls home, to that really deep bit that's actually me, without the trappings of all this middle-class stuff in Leamington. The little sad girl curled up in a corner, wishing that she had a sister or a brother to help her. But actually, I did have sisters. I had my church family sisters to help me. And if I hadn't asked them into that crazy, messy, chaotic home, I wouldn't have ended up making amazing friends at Oasis. I wouldn't have got to know them so well if I hadn't been with them whilst I was sobbing over cards and photo albums or laughing hysterically at the lifetime supply of plastic bags or junk mail that we found everywhere. So, we are promised that nothing is impossible for God. And even the effects of the long-term chronic stress in our brains are reversible. God promises us in Romans 12 too, the renewing and transformation of our minds when we focus on him, when we spend time with him, when we talk to him, when we pray. That's all it is, it's just talking or not talking, it's just being and saying, here I am, here I am. And neurologists are beginning to prove that practices like mindfulness, relaxation, creativity, journaling, and prayer allow feelings of peace and calm, safety and security to return, even if just for a moment. We know that because we know God. When we can allow him to hold us in prayer, when we can really say, this is rubbish and I'm breaking, please help me, then we can move through difficult life experiences without remaining stuck in them. I'm not saying this is gonna happen overnight, definitely not. And if we can work through grief and pain experiences, they need not be an obstacle to our flourishing, just as God intended. We can live life to the full. We really can. We can enjoy all its abundance when we follow him. I haven't got it all worked out. I am very much a work in progress. I am still sometimes angry that my dad couldn't talk to me for the last two weeks and I was so annoyed about the junk mail and the mess he'd left me. I didn't visit him as much as I could. Sometimes I feel awful. But I know that there is no condemnation, that I am forgiven already. And that when I work through that grief, when I work through those feelings about the sins or the things that I have not done, as well as the things that I have done, when I bring those to God or to my friends in prayer, I do feel different because I've let the Spirit in. I can start to live life to the full. People that know me well will notice that I'm out and about a lot more, that I'm not disappeared under a mountain of finance and stress. 
we can live life in all its abundance when we follow him and spend time in prayer, however that may look for you. So, those are just a few of the thoughts I had. And again, that's just an offering. Just take from it, just pick the bits that seem appropriate to you and leave behind what you're not ready for, what doesn't seem at all likely or realistic. And um, in our groups, I would really love if we could do a prayer activity together. So there are some ideas on the tables for creating a prayer garden with your group. It's just a little, really, a little kind of symbolic activity that we can do. But I'd really like us to do it together to share silence or to share conversation. And let's pray for one another. Let's spend time with God and with one another just as we were designed, just as our loving Father God wants us to be in relationship with him, just as we are designed to be in relationship with the Christians around us. And this amazing group of women here in Oasis who are all so precious and so different and have so many different and incredible gifts. So Paul, there's a song called Even When It Hurts, which perhaps we can just play in the background. Um, There's a video as well that goes with it, which does have the lyrics for anybody who might struggle to hear. But thank you, ladies. Bless you. Amen. Oh,